What's up? What's up? Hey, baby. This is Shanae and Tamika, and you're listening to I Hear You. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. How you doing, babe? I'm doing great. It's a pretty good day. What does great mean? Probably. I'm probably <laughs> feeling pretty good because I actually meditated today. Yeah. So my mind is uh, pretty clear. Can I tell you that me, I took a mindfulness class in college, which I'm sure you know the story, but others don't. And I couldn't do yoga because the guy was this short like guy and he would be like, pressure, pressure, pressure. And I'm like, <laughs> you ain't got that much pressure. And so like, I would laugh the whole time and one of my closest friends took it with me and we could never get it right. Wait, he told you you weren't putting enough pressure? No. Like and I don't of, know this story. Like, part of the yoga stuff was, like, he'd be, like, pressure, pressure, pressure. I have like, no idea what you're some talking about. Thing, and I would just die laughing. And it was mirrors all around the room. And then, as a part of the class, we had to sit quiet for 30 minutes. And I drove my roommate crazy. We had to keep, like, restarting. It's a whole thing. I can't imagine you trying to do yoga because your mind does not stop. Like, we exactly. can be talking and you'll be like oh what's the one thing you said bluebird oh there was a bird it was so pretty and i was like it's a bluebird we were in the middle of a conversation and you said it's a bluebird i think i died in that moment i was like what who are you come back please tamika tamika's brain please come back how my brain works though i like it though all right cool so you're feeling good i'm feeling great that's beautiful cool fun fact about shanae is that about me why are you talking in third person so what it felt really good to talk in third person do it do it i want to do it more often let's see how long i don't know (laughs) i i quickly fixed it (laughs) okay fun fact about shanae is that i um i feel like i have a lifelong journey with self-worth yeah i'm really excited about this topic Yes. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like it. I'm pretty passionate about it because I don't, it sucks in every way oh, what? No. to have to deal with it. it. I feel like it's painful. It's the fun part. <laughs> Thank you for that. Again, I know. Me. I said this before. Wait, wait, wait. I, wanna, I went to Google and dictionary.com said the meaning of self-worth is the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. Self-esteem, self-respect are two other words that go there. But, like, how would you define self-worth? I would define it as the way you feel about yourself or the ways in which you think about yourself, the way you value yourself. Yeah. It's your perception of you. Mm -hmm. And if that's, you know, fucked up, then... Are we cursing now? It's cool. (laughs) If there's a problem with that part of you, then it's it's gonna make you feel like trash. Yeah, I I mean I define it as like the way you talk to yourself, um, the way you talk to yourself, the way you show up, and yeah, I think that's just it. Like the way I define it. The way you show up. What do you mean by that? Like the way you walk into a room. Like I am the biggest advocate of like I can walk into any room and feel lit. Like when you don't have to like compare yourself to other people or like, you know, I may be a boss in one room and then I walk into the other room and I feel like small because all these other people are dressed a certain way or look a certain way. Like I think that really does tie into self-worth because like the media and everything tells us what we're supposed mm-hmm. to be, but when right. you can take what the media says and then add on what you really think, mm-hmm. it should always outweigh it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that was quotable. 
I'm going to fix that cold and make it cold. Okay. <laughs> Thank Sorry. you once again for that. <laughs> no, I think I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I'm learning to love the journey of it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, and I think that's because I'm more aware that I am on a journey. I think before I didn't know and it just sucked. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I wasn't aware of what the challenges were. I didn't even know it was something that I was working on. I just <laughs> felt like crap. I didn't really know why. Um, yeah. So I think, and from day to day is different. It's like one day I might be feeling great. And one day I might know, hey, um, you got to focus a little bit today just to like bring my thoughts into alignment. What does that mean and look like and feel like though? That, I think it's, when I say it's a journey, like at the beginning of a race or even a walk, at the beginning of, of I was about to say sis ain't never ran no race uh, okay, Tamika <laughs> I don't know what church you went to <laughs> you never heard an old mother say run on and see what the end gonna be like nothing like that why we running Jesus got me I could walk oh my god Tamika okay god got me. have a little walk with Jesus mm-hmm. oh wait I'm sorry that's have a little talk with Jesus oh see <laughs> I was like yep I walk with him like you don't even have to Jesus me. walks with me and he talks to me he I'm don't saying, run with me we're not running nowhere. You're going to make me think of a scripture about running. <laughs> you better stop. Anyway, neither here nor there. At the beginning of a 5K walk, let's picture that. I'm just saying, um, and that's not the best example. Let me rewind this. We're going re- to stop and rewind because I don't know where you just went. All I'm saying is that um, what does that look like? What does a self-worth journey look like? Mm-hmm. At the beginning... You know, you may not know too much of how yeah. the if it's if you never seen the trail, you know you blazing a trail for yourself. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. I didn't have a clue. I did. I wasn't thinking about self worth. I just knew that I felt bad. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be alone a lot, and then after a while, I started to feel lonely. And then I wanted to talk to people, and then yeah. I would try to talk to people, and I wouldn't like it. So then I wanted to be alone, mm-hmm. and so it was just a big cycle of going through that sometimes I felt good about myself and sometimes I didn't yeah I think that goes to like who taught you what it means to value yourself like because if in okay so my my journey with it is that like my mom she didn't in my book I'll talk about that later but like my mom didn't know what she was doing but like she she had this weird and strange commitment to telling me like that I was great Right? right? And it's not because my mom thought all of these things or because her mom did it and it was this like legacy thing. It was because of wherever my mom was in her journey, like she was pouring into me something beautiful. Like she would, we would do like daily affirmations. Nothing can happen to me today that me and the Lord cannot handle together. She would make me look in the mirror and tell myself that I was beautiful. And I'm like, what are you doing, lady? Mm-hmm. But like years later, I realized she was teaching me something without ever telling me that it was a lesson. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was able to like show up in spaces authentically and you know feel like I don't know feel good about myself mm-hmm. um but I it took me to get to college to realize the impact my mom had on me though and you didn't know that she was teaching you self no, you didn't you wouldn't have called her you didn't grow up and say hey my mom is giving me the best self-worth <laughs> lessons she ever. wouldn't call it either she was like she would be like I did that <laughs> <laughs> after you said it to her I, yeah that that's that sounds about right. I think um, I think my way of looking at it is that because my mom, not to say anything bad about my mom at all. I don't think 
I, I think it's a little bit more complex mm-hmm. than just, you know, my mom said this and I learned that. Yeah. It was that my mom was on her own on her own journey and for her, she the way she talked about confidence, it had a lot to do with the way you presented yourself, mm-hmm. how you spoke about yourself. Yeah. Um, your actions was a big part of it. Your your morals, your ethics, you know, what was your work work ethic? And so a lot of it was that was when she was talking about confidence, those are the things that came up. You yeah. know, how you do these things. Mm-hmm. Me being my own natural state, and, and I think that's one of the things that's complex about parenting is that I was natural, naturally naturally, gotcha. a bit more passive and quiet. My mom is very much an extrovert. So I think in some ways the, ways, the way that I took the lesson or what she said just because of my natural um, character or makeup, yeah. it it had a different effect yeah. in some ways. And so I really ended up focusing on what she said and trying to present myself, and mm-hmm. that's what I was focused on. So when it, the subject of confidence came, on, came up, and, you know, I'm thinking about how I present myself, how I do my hair, you know, are my clothes ironed and my wrinkled. That's how I took the lesson. Whether or not she meant it that way, but that's how I took it, that mm-hmm. I have to be presentable to be valuable. Ooh. And I think Ooh. that that's that's how I took it. That's a quote. You know, whether she meant it like that or not, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure she didn't. And I don't think that parents, like when they're teaching their kids, they're just trying to get you to learn yeah. something. But that's my natural makeup, and that's how it turned out. And so later on, I had to realize, okay, I'm not my hair. I'm not my I skin. Not <laughs> you my know hair. what I mean? I'm not my job. I'm not my relationship. I'm not your I'm not this chick that I'm seeing. I'm what you know what you're seeing before me it don't matter to me (laughs) it don't matter it's just like so I think I don't know I realized that part and now it's just basically using whatever tools I find to keep um to keep that self worth. so before we get to now like so when I think of um my self-worth I also I always acknowledge that I was the youngest like my mom has three kids I was the youngest so I had a lot of freedom. So when you talk about like presentation, how you show, my mom did not care if my hair is done. Like she, she just gave me this freedom yeah. to express. And some days I was like, sis, why you let me do that? But other days I was like, I think I also had freedom to just be. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some people's parents have like nine kids and then they're like, oh, they got tired on the fifth one. No, I think my mom got tired on the third one for real, for real. Cause like I was able to like just kind of wild out in a sense, but. It was always respect. Like, my mom allowed me to talk back, but in the black culture, that's not really a thing. Mm -hmm. But she allowed me to converse with her if I had a disagreement. And I knew when it was too much, because she'd be like, May Lee, and I would go retreat into my corner, and I'd be like, all right, she don't want to talk no more. But before that, there there was discussion. There was me being able to express and emote and be free. And it didn't matter that she was my mom. Some days when she was more frustrated, did she let me do that? No. But right. most of the time she allowed me, like, I'm when I'm thinking of self-worth, I am thinking about this, like, freedom part. Because when we do box it into presentation, confidence, how you show up, when you box it in, it becomes like, well, what happens when you outgrow that space? Right. Then you start to question everything. You're like, wait, no, I don't care about my presentation anymore. But that's how you boxed it in. And then you have to, like, relearn what self-worth is. Does it ever backfire? Like, some of the way that you, you pull things in, does it ever backfire? Ask me that in a different way. 
I mean, like, because I think that, and it's interesting to me, mm-hmm. interesting to me that you bring it up this way, because I do, like, my mom did have a, a lot of discussion with us. We were, like, allowed to talk. I would say the way that it was different is, like, we, we love to debate, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that that's where that comes from. Um, she definitely was big on questioning other people. Like, don't just mm-hmm. listen to whatever somebody says. Yeah. I know what you mean, now. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was great and it still is but it doesn't help you at work ego it's stupid it's stupid it doesn't i'm not saying like not that's a blanket statement but i think in in sometimes you know she really taught me to be independent Mm -hmm. and in some ways when it comes to work i probably should be focusing more on being an independent independent owner because yeah. that's just how my mind is set up it's not set up for me to just listen to whatever you say and then do it i'm going to question everything mm-hmm. and so in, in some ways it was great and in some ways it's like you got to find a better way to use that energy i think um because i always point to the fact that i'm the youngest because i think that has a lot to do with my personality um it backfired when I didn't get my way sometimes. I was also spoiled in terms of like, not financially, but like just space and being able to take up a lot of space. Um, And what I had to learn, and I don't know when I really learned this, but it probably wasn't until college that I learned like, I used to always say like, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to make the most noise. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes my mom wanted, she wanted me to make sure that I was heard. like always and that is not life you can't always be heard in every single moment and so what happens when your foundation is based on like you being able to speak and be heard and working in higher ed is like we don't care about what you got to say like though it hits me more emotionally um because if like if somebody don't hear me I'm like wait no we're not done talking until you hear me what do you mean um and I think um particularly in relationships when I didn't feel heard I immediately shut down Because I'm like, why am I speaking and someone's not able to, like, center my feelings around, like, this whole conversation? Um, So I was shut down. And I, like, when it came to relationships, that was the hardest part Um, in terms of emoting. I was like, what is this? I don't know. Like, if I say something, that's it. Wait, stay there for a minute. Like, how how does that play into relationships? Like, what you learn and the challenging part? In the beginning, when I used to date, I used to just make a statement and expect that it was facts and not think about another person's like reaction to what I was saying. Wow. And so when I someone mean, didn't... Go ahead. I was going to say, I never heard you verbalize it. I didn't know that you knew that about yourself. First you, off, I'm, I'm better at it now. I'm better at it now. Sis Ruth. I didn't know. Ruth is beautiful. But no, like in my first... Remember when we talked about... Um, and I don't know if this was on the episode or not. But when we talk about like toxic relationships, like that drove me to be a bit toxic because I was like stating facts. Like it was law. And this is like really early on. Like from the time I was like 14 to like 19, I dated the same two guys, whatever. Um, and so when I was in those relationships, I was like, what I say is facts. That's it. Do what I say and that is that's it and so that was harmful it was toxic if y'all are listening I'm sorry right because it's basically like I said what I said you heard me now go do it yeah and so when I got a bit older I had to realize like no Tamika you got to listen sometimes even if I'm in my feelings you got to listen and I always got to look at a person's intent like did they intend not to hear me and to make me mad and blah blah Mm -hmm. blah but the way it showed up was I'm stating facts or I'm shutting down that's it 
But I can see how that played out in our relationship. In the beginning. Especially in the beginning because it's like you were going to make yourself heard. And yeah. in my head, I'm like, I'm not listening to anything you said. Yeah. And I'm, the way I work is like, I may not say that. Like, you can say what you're going to say. I'm not, probably won't say that I'm not listening to you in that moment. But in my head, I've come up with a plan of how we are not doing what you said or I'm going to undercut you and come up with another way for me to get what I want but it's like yeah parents you if you're you listening said. thank you moms <laughs> like they, we're blaming our moms but that's that's cool I get yeah. what you're saying but I mean I also I think with you and our relationship I had to it's compromise, which used to be Sinead's least favorite word in the whole wide world. Girl, um, you, the therapist said to me compromise, and I was like, what is that? <laughs> Who wants that? Why? Yeah. Why? Because I think my thing was like, why do I have to give up something for you to get part of what you want? But you may, you may be giving something up, but you ain't what? losing nothing. And I think that's the that's thing. That's good. Yeah, that's all good. Now, I'm just saying what I thought when we were talking about it, because I, mm-mm compromise for what yeah thank goodness for growth but I think that's the way it challenged me was like um the way I was speaking to people and shutting down but on the flip side the way it helped me like what my mom instilled in me and also like me learning what it means to be who I am like growing up as a young woman um I always equated to like my college years like I was never like the girl who was just chasing after people and like like I in college is when I used to call my mom and I would say thank you. And she'd be like, what are you thanking me for? What are you talking about? And I swear, like, all the things may sometimes be in my head. Because she'd be like, I did that. I'm like, mom, you're not even that old. How you don't remember? And I remember. But um, I would call her and say thank you because a lot of my friends and a lot of, not even just friends, but people, I, like, would walk through the quad and hear these different stories of particularly girls and how, like, that lack thereof. Mm-hmm made them not made them but contributed to the way they showed up in spaces Mm -hmm. not just when it comes to like relationships but the way they show up around other women and like how insecure some of them was and Mm -hmm. I was like girl you got this body that you could be like you know modeling (laughs) and you like talking about I'm so fat or like just those types of insecurities that come from it um but I mean I also went to a predominantly white school so I was able to be like wait no culturally that wasn't a thing for us like in the same way mm-hmm. um but i think that's the way it helped me was not having to go through this like rabbit hole of like self um exploration in a way that damaged the value that i placed on myself right yeah i get what you're saying i think for me the challenge has been um what can i teach myself and i think that's that's one thing about me that I really, really value is being able to teach myself something new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, because of course we our parents show up and they teach us about things. Then you get to the point where you can decide what you're going to give yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you want to teach yourself something new, does that allow you to be teachable? Or like... Uh, I would say so. Okay. I would, de- I would say so because... And, Actually, it makes me excited when you say <laughs> that question makes me excited because you can it's, it's you always say now you say it this way. Take what you need and leave what you don't. Mm-hmm. My mom and my grandma would say uh, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Oh, and that basically is, you know, eat what's or, or take what's valuable. Take what's going to nurture you mm-hmm. and 
be nutrition to you and leave the stuff that you can't digest because it's not meant for you to be consumed. You know what I mean? And so I think in being teachable, I just had a session with um, like a Hindu counselor. I don't know what to call him. Yeah. He's in the like meditation, astrology, Mm -hmm. and he was teaching me. Yeah. I didn't take everything he said and I did not listen to everything he said. You know, he told me, he told me about this remedy for career and it sounds good. I see how it makes sense, but I ain't do it. Yeah. And he was like, I want to know, you know, how this works out in your life. That's great. But if that's not my focus and what I really want to do, or if I don't think that it's best for me, he can try to teach me something. But if it's not for me, I'm not going to take it in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or it could be that I might try it later. But as of right now, that's not what I'm jumping to. So I think to be teachable you also have to know what your path is yeah because you want to stay on your path Mm -hmm. you you want to follow the intuition and the divine spirit that's within you you don't want to just follow the divineness in tamika Mm -hmm. you got to have some divine though of guidance within yourself you know and so i think yes teachable part of being teachable is knowing um not what you need to learn but being able to decipher the difference between what somebody is telling you, telling mm-hmm. you that you need and you knowing when it's for you. And that word that I'm coming up with is resonance. You're going to take what, what resonates for you. Yeah, I definitely hear that. So my journey, I talk, I have a lot of people who like poured into me my entire life um, and I'm forever grateful for that. But like it was my mom and then it's my god sister, Sue. Who, like, I met her... No, not met. Okay, so she was my brother's, like, ex. But then she just became, like, this, like, whole part of my life. But I met her when I was 14. And she was, like, the first person who I knew who had, like, this tangible, like, college degree. Went to work. She's, like, a scientist. She's amazing. And then when I was about 16, I met my mentor. And so when I met my mentor, I was living in, um, uh, Long... I was living on Long Island. And that's when I really start to do... I started to do my self-worth. I started to distinguish between what's working for me, what's not working for me. Because I always say moving to Long Island was like a crisis for me because I was like, who are these people? Mm -hmm. Um, But I started doing that at 16. So now at 29... Or even when I was like 23, 24, I'm like, I've already done the work. Like, I'm I'm thinking I'm at this like finishing point because I already did it. But mm-hmm. then I realized that every new phase in my life, not that it makes me question my self-worth, but it makes me reevaluate what I need to sustain it at that moment. Um, and I used to always say, well, I started the work at 16. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine will lead you to a whole lot of mini life crises. Um and just a whole lot of stuff. But I, what I think you're talking about is depth. Like, because you can learn a lesson, um, but it goes deeper. And I mm-hmm. think as you get older, you, you really get in touch with the depth of that lesson. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It sounds extremely arrogant <laughs> to think that way, you know. And to I think what way? My way? To think that you have you come call me arrogant? to the end of a lesson. You have the biggest ego in the whole wide world. That's why we're together, arrogant. so I could challenge your oh, ego. Oh, there we go. And you could Virgos. challenge mine. There you go. Gang, gang. Um, no, I, it feels yeah. good. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I really don't. I like, I like the way that you feel about yourself, whether yeah. it's actual worth or it's ego. Either way, <laughs> I don't mind the challenge. Yes. I don't because... I'm not going to back down from it, you yeah. know, and we're not going to, 
we're not going to fight, but I'm going to find another way to communicate with you so that we can get to the end of it. Yeah. I think another thing is, um, and I'll talk a little bit. So I self-published a journal called You Are Enough. And it was basically taking a lot of things that my mom taught me and also things I had to learn, like techniques I had to learn over the years. Um, and it was important for me to write it then because I had just moved back to Philly. I was like working a part-time job. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I had my master's degree and I'm like, oh my gosh, because presence and how you show up. And like, I was for a while throughout like my collegiate experience, I was equating success to all of the recognition I was getting. Mm-hmm. Like I had studied abroad. I was like the student leader, but not really associated with all these clubs. I like had dinner at the president's house, like things like that. Um, not Obama, but mm-hmm. um, the president of the university. <laughs> Only president we acknowledge. Anyway, um, but I had done all of these things. And so at a certain point, I was at a, like a crossroad between the authentic- authenticity that my mom had showed me versus this like mask of like, well, I'm achieving, I'm achieving, I'm achieving. And so when I got back to Philly, I was like, I went through another midlife crisis. I was like, what am I doing <laughs> in my life? How I got a master's degree? And I'm on like stamps and blah, blah, blah. like I was like really feeling it. Right. And it tested who I thought I was at a per- as a person. And so when I wrote the journal, and it's a self-guided journal to like push people through. But the first question is like, who are you? And, like, I always get people who are like, Tamika, I don't know what you wanted me to write on that thing. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know X, Y, and Z. But that question was important to me because nine times out of ten, if you ask someone who they are, they will associate with a relationship. Or they will associate with achievements. Or Mm -hmm. they will associate with something that's outside of themselves versus looking internally and being able to define who you are as a person. Um, Or they will associate with how people see them versus how they see themselves. Um, So that, like, takes me to, like, this final point of, like, folks who are struggling with, like, self-worth and not even just, like creating a foundation of it but maybe they had a foundation already and it's been a little bit shaken because Mm -hmm. you know life changes and things like that like what would you say to them in terms of like motivation to keep going I think it it definitely is going to be different for individuals Mm -hmm. all I can say for myself um what helped me is I'm definitely a mind focused person everything feels mental Mm -hmm. so I wasn't in touch with the emotions of things so the first thing that really helped me was learning how to name emotions mm-hmm. and to be able to communicate about them. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a long while to even be able to say that, hey, I have an issue with my self-worth and mm-hmm. I need to acknowledge that and then address it. And, and that was the first part of it because I remember um, like some of the times when we started dating, like you would be like, well... How about you go and you just look in the mirror a few times, you know, maybe like once a day and say, um, you're worthy. Mm -hmm. And I hated it. Like, I didn't even try it. You know what I mean? It was like, as soon as you said it, I hated that you told me that because Mm -hmm. it it was like a reflection of how I was feeling about myself Mm -hmm. and I couldn't really acknowledge it. And so it took time to, um, to really get to that point. Yeah. That was the first part. I I will say, and when you talk about, like, advice for people, it depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was all of my thoughts were consuming my mind to the point where, and especially with them being negative, that that's all I hear. 
So it doesn't matter what anybody else says to me. It feels negative. It sounds negative. I'm going to take it yeah. as a criticism. Um, so I had, that's when I started getting more into like meditation and um, just, I wouldn't say clearing my mind, but settling down my mind mm-hmm. to where I can to acknowledge, but just be able to process what's act to actually hear what the thoughts are and to be able to process them to work through to get to a point where I can say, okay, this is how I feel. This is what I know I'm hearing. How can I change it? And that's when, you know, I started doing affirmations. Yeah. Um, and things like that. And today you were like, I'm worthy. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you are. But like, I, I say that and like put you on the spot because I think that is like, that's the progression. Like no one has to hold your hand throughout the process. Like oh, yeah. I said that to you very early in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And this is, a year plus and it's like oh this is what I'm thinking like and I think another thing is um specifically with people who go into like um life coaching or healing professions things like that like understand that like your therapist or your partner or whoever will not hold your hand through it and you may not need the hand holding they may say something on January 1st and it won't hit until December 31st and that's okay but I also want folks to like acknowledge where you are like sit down where are you at like answer that question um write down like what has worked for you in the past write down what is something you would love to work like to start to explore because one of the things I deal with like I got so many friends who like yoga and they like meditation and they like tea and I'm like yo I'm like none of those things I just told somebody yesterday I'm gonna buy a tea mug for work I don't even really like tea no more. So, like, I'm trying to, like... And because I had a few, like, rough months, I'm trying to, like, rediscover what works for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also... I realized yesterday that I was comparing what works for other people. So, right. like, really sit down and be like, all right, like, tea may not work for me. What else? I love drinking water. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's commit to more water. Something like that. But I want to go back to what you were saying about not needing a teacher because that can one thing I've definitely learned like as I reflect and just this whole thing with self-worth or I'm not enough I don't have enough and then sometimes that gets you to I need help yeah and what that also can mean is that you're attracting people who want to help Mm -hmm. and sometimes that can be hurtful yes because it's like well and that we didn't go through that you know in our relationship but definitely with other people whether it was romantic or not um, people are like, hey, I want to take you under my wing. Mm-hmm. Let me help you with this. I see you're working on this. And then yeah. they want to give you everything. But but sometimes that's somebody fulfilling their own needs to help, so to yeah. speak, when really it's like they have a void themselves and that's how they believe they will be valuable is to, you know, base in some ways yeah. control somebody else's growth. And that gets to it. Because then it's like, well, if I'm trying to teach you something and if you don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. Then I'm angry. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm then I'm upset, and that's a whole nother dynamic. And so, for me, those are some of the challenges no, that, that that come up when you're talking about self worth. It can turn into a lot of different situations yep. until you get to the place where you realize, okay, whatever I need, it's already in me. Mm-hmm. I just have to bring it forth, and Word. you know, you got to find that clarity to give yourself what you need. And it's nothing wrong with having teachers. But you want to have a teacher that knows how to teach because somebody that wants to control your mm-hmm. growth or regulate might be a better word. Somebody that wants to regulate your growth is not a teacher. I remember when, and I'm glad you brought that up because I remember when I was in college. Again, I went to a PWI. There were not a lot of professors of color. 
Um, and I had people who wanted to pour into me because I was able to just like voice that, oh, I didn't like something. And I promise you, there were so many people who, and these were professors, um, student affairs administrators, all these people who, when I didn't do one thing, when I didn't, you know, commit to writing a proposal with them, when I didn't commit to, you know, presenting and putting their, and using their like PhD study and things like that, when I didn't do that, I promise you, they shunned me. Mm. And that was like, that was so hurtful going into higher ed because I was like, wow, all of my professors don't have time for me anymore because they liked me when I was this needy kid. Mm -hmm. versus now that I'm their colleague and, you know, what have you, and I'm doing my own thing, they don't want to hear about what I'm doing because they're busy trying to, like, build up these what have yous or, like, build up these um, these mentees, so to say. But I promise you, um, and one of the things as a woman of, or as a black woman, I noticed that if white students were more willing to do the work or if they were, like, more willing to do the research and the, the, the BS work, they would just, like, take all of them under their wings. And they would be like, yes, let's present, let's do that. But there were, there was something in me that it didn't feel right. Like the way they were approaching trying to mentor me didn't feel right. It felt self-serving to them. Well, because you bring up color, what, what, what did you like? What did you feel like the the impact was because of race? I think it impacted how I saw it, specifically when these were women of color. Um, the mentors when, yeah mm -hmm. when it was women of color I was like wow I thought you was a good one I thought it was cool <laughs> like I it it kind of turned you like it I don't know it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth when it's people of color right. um and it wasn't always people of color like I had this I remember um I worked in an office it was a hot mess express I had this white woman call me ask me to apply for apply for a position just so that this white guy wouldn't get it or just so that the VP could see that this white guy um, had competition or something like that. Mm -hmm. And when I got off the phone, I was like, huh, I'm going to consider it. Then I was like, why would I do that? Why would I waste my time? You know they wouldn't hire me for the position. You want to diversify the pool or what have you. And when I realized that, like, that's when I realized, yes, I do have a foundation of self-worth. I'm not going to do everything you ask me to do. Um, but I think that when you do have a mentor, a coach, a teacher, what have you, you do have to be able to decipher what is for you and what is not for you when someone is self-serving and when they are not. And if you cannot decipher that, unfortunately, it does cause harm. If you're like walking through your life just trying to like be everybody's like, oh, I can write this paper for you. I can do this. I can apply for that job. I can do this grant when, no, I'm not helping you. No, absolutely not. And realistically, they may listen to this. Um, but if you are listening, understand <laughs> that you should not be doing that to people. I don't, higher ed is very harmful for a lot of young professionals of color and also just young professionals in general. Um, people take from them, people use them. And this is also for um, other like professions as well, but that's just my take. Um, but I wanna wrap it up because I'm, ex I'm excited for you to like edit and like hear this. But I, if you are like going through any type of phase or process, um, shameless plug, go to TamekaAustin.com. You can order the book, You Are Enough. I can write you a note in it. You can schedule a coaching, not a coaching, but like a processing session with me. Um, that's definitely a thing. But if you would rather do it on your own, have fun. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just know that like it's a journey. It is your journey and it is special and unique to you and like, 
nobody can tell you or give you the perfect formula that is going to work. And if they do, it's probably temporary. Um, so I would definitely say like, it's okay to, you know, be active in your own journey. Right. It's okay to do it on your own and it's okay to do it with somebody teaching you or helping mm-hmm. you or doing it along with you. Yeah. I think that it, it depends on the energy or, or the nature of the energy that somebody yes, is doing. And you can, yes, but you can energy. feel that either mm-hmm. way. You can feel when it's right for you and you can feel when it's not right. And yep. then you just make those decisions on your own. Word. So over and out, y'all are great. Um, we will start our segments on stuff soon. We will start our segments soon. Yeah. Bye, y'all. <laughs>